0: Well, hi, everybody. Here we are once again in trucker territory. I want to thank the folks at uh, Progressive Commercial Insurance for allowing us to, well, chat with you for just a little bit about uh, this, that, and sometimes the other concerning uh, the trucking world. Uh, With us here from Radio Nemo is Michael Burns. Hey, Mike. Good morning, Dave. And Dr. Tim Ridley. Hey, Dave. Good morning. And this is Dave Nemo. Um, We're going to talk about truck tech today. And we're going to kind of dissect it and break it apart down the timeline uh, and maybe start at the beginning and work our way into the present and forward into the future. And we don't really know what that future means and, you know, Michael, looking back, you know, they always say you can't, uh, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. That's true. Um, and, and yeah. yeah. I, I think we what, may be at a crossroads here because we really don't know where we're going and we know very well where we've been.
1: Well, and you you wanted to start the program here by talking about rearview mirrors that are now cameras, I guess. I, don't, I, don't. I think you
0: read my mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the uh, Man,
0: your rear view camera talked to my rear view camera <laughs> that's
1: right and you know it's funny because uh just like many of the other truck tech things that we'll talk about today uh, it, there was the technology it's been there it's available they've had it for all these years but uh, they had to take it out and study the human interface and these camera operated mirrors are a perfect example uh, Drivers are used to looking in a certain place to see what's behind them, and you can't change that. And so they had to mount the camera lenses outside the cab in many cases. They had to put them in a place that felt like that, and, and of course, the human interface to any technical thing. Basically, what we've, we've looked at over the, the years and what the FMCSA and many of the OEMs have set out as a goal is that simpler and easier to operate is safer. That's, that's the logic that they've been using all these years. Whatever it is, whether it's an automatic transmission, uh, whatever the technical advancement is, that that thing is going to somehow take a part of the driver's mind, put it at ease, and make it easier to operate and therefore safer. So you know, we can take that all the way back because uh, you know, at one point, truck tech meant electric starters. I mean, it goes back that far. And, and yeah, it was a big help because it didn't break your legs and it didn't break your arms when you tried to start them. Uh, air brakes were once a, a technological advancement. And then we went into black boxes and saw these computer-controlled systems to help fuel efficiency and in-cab information systems. Even aerodynamics is really a part of truck tech because what we were doing at the very beginning of it and i think tim i don't know really of any any truck that preceded uh the the t600 that made such huge advancements in aerodynamics but they really didn't know what they were doing at that time they it was all done with slide rules and guesswork and uh and every once in a while, they'd take them into a wind tunnel and so forth. So uh, we've certainly gotten a lot better at aerodynamics. Aerodynamics have made some of the huge gains, but uh, then we also have come to rely on GPS systems, mapping systems, uh, automatic bypass systems so that drivers don't always have to stop at scales, driver assist systems, alert systems for drowsiness and lane maintenance. Then we've got all these aftermarket products, you know, biofeedback product to help the drivers know when they're nodding off and all. Uh, so it, it, it's a really interesting thing. And I think that one of the things that we're looking at, whether you call our current situation a driver shortage, which is a good way to start an argument, uh, and, and, and everybody's got their own take on it, you know. But let's, let's say we are reaching capacity, and I think that's a fair way to state it because reaching capacity means we either don't have the drivers or the trucks or the trailers that we need to handle the current demand for product movement. So whatever you want to call it, we need to delve in. We need to find some more talent. We need to get some more equipment on the road. And much of this high tech actually works as a recruiting tool.
0: You brought up so many places where we could go here, so many avenues of discussion. I just want to kind of dice in something though that you you just brought up, and that is the the driver shortage, or as some would say, the so-called driver shortage. The um Federal Reserve puts out what they call the beige book. And mm-hmm. we've talked about the beige book, you know, many times through the years here on the program, Not not very much, but enough to 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 mention. Uh, the beige book is essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong here, But essentially, in a nutshell, the folks from the Federal Reserve go around to some of the big cities, uh, some of their districts, you know, their regions, and they talk to folks. They talk to folks in business. And they just kind of have like almost a coffee shop sidewalk uh, conversation about how are things going? What are you seeing? Mm -hmm. Um, What are the trends that you uh, think are picking? What are the problems? And in this the current beige book that just came out from the Federal Reserve, the trucking shortage is brought up 25 times. Now, in the past, trucking comes uh, up maybe a half a dozen to maybe 10 or so, maybe 12 times. Right. But this time, it's there. It's a major component of what folks are talking about, A, all over the country. And B in just about every sector of the economy.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and, and we have an economy that's booming based on optimism. It's it's booming on top of itself. The mm-hmm. capacity, uh, obviously, is not. Uh, it's not reached the shortage stage yet, but it is certainly of concern for those who are doing future planning.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, look at the bonuses that are being paid now by
1: some companies. We've been Um, meaning to talk to you about that, both Tim and I.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No bonus for you. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, Tim, going back, though, some of the basic technologies that Michael mentioned um, were in the trucking world considered to be revolutionary. You know, back in the 1930s even, and even into the 40s, if a driver was cold at night and he needed to sleep, he'd lay it out on the hood of his truck for as long as it would stay warm from the engine heat. I mean, there were no amenities for the driver whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Dave. And and I
2: can even bringing it up further in the years. I can remember in the 1980s. You know, started in the mid 1980s, and we were still running winter fronts on the front of the uh, on the grill of the truck in the winter time. And when it got below a certain temperature, you would zip it up even more. If it got to this temperature, you would zip it all the way up. And and if you didn't you you would also have a cold cab inside as well because it it just would not heat you know retain enough heat to circulate to to make the heater work so uh that's why drivers then had a lot of arthritis and and knee knee issues and and back of course back issues and everything but over the years they started getting a little better and i can remember uh back and i don't know why there were and i'm glad but you know they were not uh more accidents than they the than it really was when you know driving the cab overs back then and and even myself you, there was nothing you were talking about the mirrors where you know it would help you they have cameras in them and so forth, help you see vehicles that could possibly be in your blind spot and so forth, but you know we didn't have any of that uh we and, and and even in the cab overs you didn't know you didn't have the, the spot mirrors hanging out front, you know, of, of the cab where you could look in it and it could tell you what was be down beside you. You turn on your right turn signal and you let it flash for a few times and you just you learn to just ease over a little bit at a time while you're looking at your your spot mirror on the right hand side just in case you saw a car Tried to miss you and ease over towards the shoulder. That was your that was your way of being safe, you know. But fast forward that a little bit later, back in 1989, Dave and and Michael, I, I um, was a company driver, and I went to work with a new a new company, a new carrier, and I got a 1986, I believe, a 1987, 1987 K100. It was a cab over, of course, and and they had one of those arm. I, we used to call them an armed eyeball mirror that extended from the top of the right-hand mirror, and it came down just like a hand and it had a great big fish eyeball-like like mirror on it. And I thought that was one of the best things since sliced bread because it you could see so much more, you know, as far as your blind side, your blind spot was concerned. However, you still had some blind spots, but still, that was, again, another advancement in technology. Then, then you looked at, and in, 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 later on in 1989, just a, about a month or so later, I got a K, uh, not a K, but uh, um, a W900, you know, with the big hood. Nothing was, you didn't have any of those extra spot mirrors, so back to the basics of trying to ease over, you know. But I did have that little curbside window in the passenger door, mm-hmm. so I thought that was a plus. That was great. Fast forward later on in that year, I get a brand new T-600. Just like Michael was saying, that was, you know, back when they came out in 1985, that was the forefront pretty much of the of the aerodynamic, you know, aerodynamics and, and the, you know, how we are now with more aerodynamics. But at any rate.
1: Yeah, the anteater changed the game. Yeah, the anteater
2: really changed the game right there. And so along with that, you know we we had we had i had the spot the extra spot mirrors you you know you had the i had the intermittent uh wipers the electric wipers no longer was i dealing with the air wipers where you, if your air pressure was not regulated was not you know uh, where it needed to be your wipers didn't work and i couldn't believe i had electric windshield wipers on this truck now we fast forward later, Dave, for other advancements. You know, you have the remote control or the electric, electrically controlled uh, right-hand mirrors. Uh, you know as we advance forward that was another big slice right there because you no longer had to carry a broomstick with you to reach over to out the passenger uh, window to, to adjust your mirror or perhaps keep jumping out of the truck and walking around to the passenger side to adjust the mirror so now let's go back let's go up to today uh, today's trucks are making it much easier for the drivers uh, not only the ergonomics and the comfort uh, being out there on the road, but also for the safety aspect of uh, aspects of the truck. A lot, of, and as you've been talking about the electronic, the lane avoidance systems, and and all of these great things that they have uh, on these trucks now, you lo- you're looking at most of the things and, and that uh, that the modern automobiles have in them. They're in big trucks now, not only one remote-controlled or electrically controlled, electronically controlled mirror, but you have two mirrors, you know, both your left and right side mirrors. you got power windows, the seats, you know, as far as the advancement of driver's seats. You know, Dave, you were talking about the 30s and the 40s and 50s. Basically, it was just a metal frame with a plywood base, and just a little bit of foam padding on it. That was pretty much what you had. So now the seats are a lot better. Uh, the 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 ride is a whole lot better. And then you have you're surrounded with all these electronics, uh, electronic devices that will further help keep you safe.
1: Yeah. Now we have a seat that reads the road in front of you and decides how it's going to react before you get there. And we're not going to mention the name, but you yeah. know. <laughs> now that's leading edge right yeah, there. Right there, it reads the road in front of you and decides what how it's going to handle that bump, and you never feel it. Uh, I think the the other thing about human interface as well. Uh, one of the newest ones that I've seen that I thought was a really good idea, and and I would have loved to have had it in a truck. Uh, they took a look at how drivers use turn signals, for lane changes, and. It is almost uh, universal for a driver to do exactly what Tim said, to turn the turn signal on, wait for two or three blinks, and then kind of edge your way over. The One of the new turn signals that's on the trucks, if there is something beside you, it says, and, and it only works when you're at, traveling at highway speeds. It doesn't do the same thing in town uh, when you expect to have traffic. But when you turn on the turn signal after the first blink, it says there is a vehicle to your left or there is a vehicle on your right. And it that's
2: wa- outstanding. It
1: warns you. It just yeah. says I, you don't want to go there. you know. And uh, this kind of thing uh, where they're, they're looking at the interface, they're looking at how drivers use things, and they're making them practical. Because as you know, with any new technical device, there's a run-up to them. There's, I mean, I mean, how many people, you know, had horrible stories when airbags first came out, you know, and then they got better and then they learned and same with seatbelt, same with every technological advance. It takes a while to work the bugs out, but, uh, working the bugs out in the trucking industry and the way we drove those trucks, uh, understanding what the driver does and what they expect and what their reaction times are. They're, they're getting much better at it. They absolutely are.
0: We are three guys who, even though we have a pretty good range of ages between us, still remember when we did all of the operational chores involved in driving a vehicle, whether Mm -hmm. it was a car or a truck. Mm -hmm. In the scale of uh, levels of autonomy in vehicles, the SAE, the Society of Automotive Engineers, came up with a chart, and it it is a six-level chart system whereby once you get to level six the vehicle does everything there isn't even a steering wheel or brake pedals or an accelerator you basically are in a pod that takes you where you tell it to go and you have no interaction with the vehicle whatsoever in terms of the operation did i say level six yes Mm -hmm. actually that's level five What? Because it's not a scale. Yeah, exactly.
1: I don't want to be in that (laughs) truck. It's not a scale
0: that goes from level 1 to level 6. It's a scale that goes from level 0 to level 5. And who is at level 0? Who doesn't even rate number 1, the human? If you have a vehicle that is totally 100% reliant on human operation. That's level zero. We don't mean, we don't even rate on the scale. <laughs> and what I'm saying here is is that we all are level zero guys. Yeah. So we are looking at the level two and three, which are out there now mm-hmm. to some degree. Level two certainly. Level one, I should say level one, and see how confusing it can be why did SAE do that? Level one and two. That stuff is out there. All the stuff, Tim, that you just talked about, that's all level one, approaching level two stuff. For us, it's like, wow, holy cow, what's going to happen to the driver? Yeah. You know, because it seems as if it's the first of several steps to replace the human. But I think when the smoke clears and the lights come on, I think the driver is going to be the still the most important component of the operation
1: i couldn't agree with you more i i really honestly believe it i think all we have to do is look at the airline industry we, these people are flying planes that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars carrying two and three hundred passengers almost every plane and certainly the new airbus uh, aircraft uh, certainly the new boeing aircraft they are fully capable of taking off flying a route, landing safely without a pilot. Mm-hmm. But you do not see the airline industry going to a pilotless system anytime in our lifetime.
2: Autonomous commercial airliners, huh? I don't think that, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't think there would be.
1: <laughs> I I think we all secretly hope there's a Sullenberger in, in, in that cockpit. <laughs> yeah,
0: the... Uh, Title of our podcast today, the the one that we're doing, is called Truck Tech, and you can take again as as Michael pointed out, uh, and Tim, you pointed out too, that there are so many different avenues. But maybe we should kind of just take a moment to talk about the avenue itself, mm-hmm. the infrastructure—is the asphalt and paint that we have out there on roads today ready for? completely robotic vehicles and the answer is obviously no will it ever be ready you know what probably not because you'd have to be able to insulate the roadway from mother nature Mm -hmm. what are you going to do in the winter time you're going to have roads that will melt the snow well they have those in an experimental uh, form in uh, Japan, Sweden, but they cost so much money. I mean, these are just experimental short stretches, and yeah, you can do it. But um, the question then becomes: Why do we want to build roads when it's obvious we are going to start basically doing everything in the air?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't see a, you don't see George Jetson tooling around on four wheels, do you?
1: You know, no, I, no. And, and you know, we've all been waiting for the fly. You and I have had, and Tim have discussed flying cars before in old popular science magazines, and we're yeah. still waiting for those. Yeah. But uh, I think the point that you touched on, Dave, that is so important, the enormous cost of this, uh, of the infrastructure remake, is going to be something that no private entity and no group of private entities can do it's going to be uh turned over to the government it will have to be turned over to the government and frankly the government right now is not in the mood to spend the money that's that's going to be required to uh, have a total infrastructure makeover preparing for autonomous vehicles they're they're just not they the costs continue to rise of uh, the technology is constantly changing. You know, which technology we, do we choose? And and somebody along the line is going to say, you know, it would be a lot cheaper to put in a, a maglev beltway from east to west all the way across this country than it would be to rebuild all these roads. And then when right. even if you were to redo just the interstate system, what are you going to do when you got to get off the interstate?
0: Yeah, yeah, you got to exactly. need a new driver, yeah. exactly. Um, so, you know, we, I think everybody is starting to realize, Tim, that it's time to um, pull back. Now, we we've kind of, you know, and I I, I say this uh, hesitantly. We've kind of had our fun with the headlines, you know, in terms of. Autonomous trucks, putting three and a half million truck drivers out of work. When? Next Thursday. You know, uh, we, we started there, and that's the way it always starts, and that's the way everything new comes down the pike. But eventually it does happen. A um, hundred years or so ago uh, in transportation, we had an incredible change of technology in terms of transportation we went from horse and mule and wagon to horseless carriages Mm -hmm. and what an incredible transition that must have been for those folks i mean i'd like to just spend a day uh seeing that back i'd like to time travel to see the first uh you know self-powered vehicle hauling some hay from the farm as opposed to the uh, horse or the oxen even um, but those two entities the flesh-and-blood horsepower and the gasoline it wasn't diesel quite yet but the gas and the electric uh, v- motors that were in these vehicles I'd, I'd like you know that that transition took a long time maybe 20 years for that to happen um, and it's funny, too, that we we're going full circle again, you know. I mean, again, another avenue we could go down, but the first uh, automobiles were not gasoline-powered. They certainly weren't diesel-powered. They were electric and even steam, yes. Stanley yes. steamer, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, we are in that, that, that uh, transition period. Is it going to take 20, 25, 30 years for the transition to take place? Yeah, I would think say easily. And will it ever be complete? Yeah, probably not. Because guess what? As soon as that transition is uh, undertaken and completed, the next transition will begin to the next level, and maybe that will be flying pods. There is one already that has a three hundred pound payload uh, capacity, and it's a uh, it's a drone that uh, is. Uh, it, it's a one-passenger drone. You get in it, and you tell it where you want to go, and it takes you there. You have no controls in this thing. You know, there's no, uh, there's no rudder. There's no joystick. There's nothing. Maybe a parachute. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it'll be an autonomous parachute.
2: (laughs) Only if you pay the additional charge
1: for that.
0: (laughs) It kicks you out and then it parachutes down.
1: (laughs) Well, as much as these drones are going to cost, it's probably going to be a ballistic because they're going to want to save the drone more than they care about the passenger. You know? Yeah, for sure. For <laughs> yeah, sure. drone is more expensive.
0: <laughs> so the driver's job, uh, getting back to, uh, to, to, I guess, more reality now than, than we want to sometimes, but uh, getting back to the driver's place, envision a driver as an, a mobile office manager, mm-hmm. logistics coordinator, um, someone who is communicating along the route. Making sure that deliveries are precise, making sure that temperature control is precise in a refrigerated con- uh, you know load. Maybe um, there are a lot of things that a driver, and maybe we'll have to change that title to uh, you know um, logistics coordinator or mobile office manager or something to in uh, to basically. Give that person credit for all of the jobs that they do. But, you know, Tim, as an owner-operator trucker and as a company driver, too, there's a lot more to trucking than just driving the truck. That's one component. That's the fun part of driving. Uh, but there are so many other jobs that you're already doing and yeah. you're really not getting any, any credit for in terms of job title. Yes,
2: that's that's true, Dave. And your mind is always on a lot of uh, on many different factors, many different things. Uh, you're right. Driving, that's just one aspect of it. But then, you know, you have to you have to make the correct calculations. You were talking about that just a little bit ago they with the you know calculating this or making sure that the temperature is fine you know is okay in the box if you're pulling a uh, temperature control load but you you in addition to that you're looking at time you got to be a good time management manage your time between points A and B and sometimes between between points A B C and D if you have multiple pickups and multiple stops all along while being in compliance with the hours of service then both being a company driver and owner operator you still have to be a good business person reason being is because uh even if even even as a company driver you have to be able to know how much you know will i profit on this load right here how much does this load pay me will this load pay me how much will i be able to spend on food or expenditures and still have enough money to take care of home you know, take care of house payments and car payments and so forth, uh, and and buying food at the house, utilities, and and on the owner operator side of it, you're looking at you know your business uh, uh, and your personal uh, your aspects. So there's and then your weights, you know, your weight and 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 limits. So you're you're dealing with a lot of uh, various factors. You know, when you sit behind that wheel, driving is just one part of it. Uh, shifting may or may not be a part, depending on if you're in an automatic transmission or a, or a manual. But that's only one part of it. But you have a lot of things that just really doesn't even, uh, uh, the average person won't even think about, wouldn't even think about that's going on in the minds and in the heads of these drivers out there.
1: And I still believe they put the cart before the horse. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just a, a lazy driver. <laughs> But I wish they had automated unloading way before they unloaded the job I like, which was driving the truck down the highway. (laughs) I I hated unloading them. But, you know, I I think in in all seriousness, though, uh, uh, again, if the goal is to put assists in where we can to make driving safer and operating the truck safer... If we look at those that really have been successful, the the turn signal I mentioned for a reason, uh, it it works around the drivers. People took things into account uh, and looked at the way a driver operates. Those are the technologies that are going to be successful. Those are the technologies that are going to look. And if we look for the signs of what works for the drivers, if what works for the trucking companies, if what works for you know, an owner-operator, if if what works for a group of people who are actually making this investment and then apply those rules and those findings to the new systems, then truck tra- tech is going to be successful. Uh, otherwise, we're just heading down a road where the technology is self-serving. The technology doesn't really accomplish anything. It doesn't make anything other than, as Dave said, headlines.
0: I think if there's one word that might be one of the cornerstone words as we wrap up our our, uh, podcast here this morning in Trucker Territory, that word might be trust. And what I mean by that is we've built up a network of trust uh, in trucking where we trust you to uh, take that load and, and deliver it we trust the people who are making the products to give us quality of goods we 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 have a trust throughout the supply chain are we going to trust robots and how is that trust going to be earned i don't trust them right now uh... and will there become there come a time when robots will be asked to trust humans because you can't have any type of business or society or any interaction whatsoever without a foundation of trust. I'm a robot. You can trust me.
1: <laughs> yeah. And and again, you hit the nail on the head, Dave. It's interdependency. Mm-hmm. It's it's what, it's what I trust you to do, what you trust me to do, what the truck trusts. It, it, it all works together. And, uh, I think we all know that as few of those vehicles as are out there, whether it's four-wheelers or or big trucks, they've made some mistakes and they have to be fine-tuned and we can't turn three and a half million of them out on the road tomorrow and say, yep, we've done it all. (laughs) (laughs) We got it figured out. Yeah
0: actually we have done it all it's about time to close the pod (laughs) yeah it doesn't close automatically we have to close it ourselves dr tim ridley thank you so much it's
1: been a pleasure dave thanks
0: michael burns
1: thank you for putting up with me
0: and that's going to close the pod here on podcast on truck tech here in trucker territory